Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You know when you were like a, a bully at Las Vegas High School and you made fun of a little fiddler named Jason Fats? And then one day, <laughs> years later, you reconnected with him and he turned out to be a superstar musician and an ESPN superstar and you thought, what an awkward reunion. I used to make fun of this kid, and now he's infinitely more successful and cool than me. Well, we're kind of dealing with that in the NFL this week. How's that for an intro, Fitz? That's a heck of an intro, but, you, you know, I, I will say there were a fair share. When, when things started to go well with the band, the number of people that would start hitting me up that I hadn't heard from in oh, 20 years, they I were bet. like, hey, man, you're coming through town. I'd love tickets. It's like, cool. Here's where <laughs> you buy them. <laughs> uh, did I nail it with Lake Las Vegas High School? Uh, no, it, it's also nailed it with Jason Fats. By the way, that's good. You know what? I, the the inner fat kid in me is is gloriously skinny and doing pretty uh, well now. So, well, I got Spain in the ass. So we had our own special. <laughs> yeah, it's Sarah Spain. Well, it's Spain in the ass of Jason Fats on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, uh, and on your smart speaker. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. There I'm telling are... you right now, Ass and Fats would have been a better name for this show, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> We're off it the rails and we haven't even gotten started on Friday. Friday. That's yeah. why, because it's a Friday. Uh, it reminds me of one of the most incredible SNL skits ever with Kate McKinnon and uh, A.D. Bryant called Dyke and Fats. Do you remember that one? <laughs> yes, of course. It was a very subversive, very hilarious sketch. Look it up. Uh, it's it's uh, it's already off the rails, but we are going to get to some NFL. We actually have tons to get to tonight. We've got a great show for you, but I want to talk about awkward reunions in the NFL because we have three of them at the very least, three that are top of the list for us this weekend. And let's start with McCarthy versus Rodgers as the Cowboys and Packers meet. Now this to me means a lot more to McCarthy and the Cowboys. They're a team that's in contention. That's still trying to put all the pieces together uh, and looking ahead. I'm not sure what else is left for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers other than pride. Uh, understanding that the Vikings can basically wrap up that division by the end of this month. But what was interesting was as the struggles with LaFleur and the current Packers team escalate, suddenly Aaron Rodgers seems to be reflecting more fondly on a coach he used to complain about in McCarthy. Here's what it sounded like this week. We've always kind of been in touch a little bit more, I'd say, the last year or so. You know, I think as time goes by, the gratitude for that time as you look back on the journey of your career is, uh, you know, goes up a little bit. You appreciate the little things a little bit more uh, because really this game and life is about the journey. And I'll always be uh, be tied with him uh, because of the connection that we had and the years we spent together. Uh, obviously, my longest tenured coach, longest tenured play caller. Um, thankful for those years and thankful maybe a little bit more as uh, the, the years go by. Interesting. I'm often tough on Aaron Rodgers, and I know that. This is one time that I hear him, and I hear a very human element to it that I agree with. I think so often we all get caught up in the race to try and accomplish more, have more, be more, do more, uh, that it's hard in that moment to necessarily appreciate what you have and where things are. And so uh, to come back now and say, hey, you know, as you get older, you look back on things differently, I think that's actually a very smart and introspective and real take from Aaron Rodgers that I – for once, agree with. Look at yeah. that. <laughs> well, we've got a, a four-point road favorite for the Cowboys against those Packers, according to Caesars. And uh, that that is the first of the awkward reunions. Um, man, I, I mean, it would be a big deal for these Cowboys to lose to the Packers uh, based on how terrible things have looked for Green Bay. Um, and I think it would mean a lot 
uh, to Aaron Rodgers if he could find a way to get a W over his former coach. And you mentioned um, that, Sarah, and I'll say quickly this. Like you said earlier, I, it probably matters more to the Cowboys. I think pride is, is going to be a sense on both sides. Like if you're yeah. Mike McCarthy, you want to beat Aaron Rodgers. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you want to beat Mike McCarthy. So the real difference maker here is the fact that the Cowboys need this game. Like this is a, mm-hmm. a game they should win against a team that they are better than, the type of game they cannot afford to lose if they want to keep any pace in the NFC. So I think it matters much more to the Cowboys. Speaking of games that matter, the next one matters on both sides. We've got what looks like it will probably be Case Keenum reuniting with Diggs against their former team in the Vikings, which when they played for that team, they combined for one of the greatest memories ever. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay up, oh, my God, oh, my God, 30, no, 10, Yep, Vikings Radio Network there, the call from 2018, Minneapolis Miracle, Keenum to Diggs. Uh, They said the game plan won't change too much with Case Keenum instead of Josh Allen. Uh, That's possible, Fitz. The game plan might not change. The results of the plays will probably change with Josh Allen out and Case Keenum getting the start. Uh, I have to go with the Vikings in this game if that happens. And I'm not hot on the Vikings. I just think you look at the percentage of offense and 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 especially on the ground that that team gets from Josh Allen, it's tough to replace. Yeah, look, let's be real. They could keep the same game plan if you and I were playing quarterback too. It doesn't mean that it would be well executed. So uh, as much as I love the concept of Case Keenum coming in and just having one of those Case Keenum moments that he has every few years, that gets him paid this just feels like that's asking way too much and that's unfortunate because if we know anything about Diggs not only do we know that he's amazing we also know that he's an amazing talker I really want him to have the chance to talk his talk against the Vikings repeatedly I want what the internet's going to give me Sunday night and Monday morning from just the the swagger he's going to play with so I would love to see him be the best version of himself but you're right if there's no Josh Allen in this game it's hard for me to find a path to win for Buffalo and and we're suddenly going to be looking at Buffalo saying how will they manage any amount of time that they might be without their their superstar quarterback yeah I mean, I think we all agree, and everyone I've heard agrees that it's smart to keep them out, but um, it sucks because I think we all wanted to see what the Vikings looked like against a really good team. It's really hard to believe in this Vikings team, partly because the teams that they've beaten so far in really tight games against some tough, not-so-tough competition, and now we're not going to get the chance to see that. Uh, Jeremy Fowler was on Canty and Carlin today and said, Josh Allen's still trying to make a play to get out there this weekend. He's pushing to play. Now, whether the team actually lets that happen or if they can convince Josh that that's in his best interest is another thing. Um, but the fact that he was out there uh, today was a good sign because it was looking like he was going to have to go all week without a single practice snap. So he at least got out there and, and did a, a little bit of work. And so they'll probably take this uh, well into the weekend. And there could be some gamesmanship going on when the reporters went in there to check out the end of practice. Josh Allen was running off. Uh, and so yeah, I know the Vikings talking to the people over there, they expect them to play, uh, but they don't really know. So uh, Sean McDermott is taking full advantage of the situation regardless of uh, which direction it goes. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they're keeping it mysterious, but I think it seems pretty, I mean, it'd be very, I'd be very surprised to see Josh Allen out there. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio on a Friday. The last awkward reunion involves your Raiders. Josh McDaniels, who notably turned down the Colts last minute for the head coaching gig in 2018. They went on to hire Frank Reich, who they just fired. So now Jeff Saturday making his coaching debut for the Colts against McDaniels. This is Tankathon 2022, but I think McDaniels has a lot more to lose, Fitz. Uh, he's got to prove to them that he's the guy to keep around going forward as they try to fix things. There is absolutely no pressure on on Jeff Saturday other than to at least make it look like he knows his responsibilities and the job he needs to do during game day. Yeah, well, and I'll add another revenge angle to this. The defensive coordinator for the Colts is Gus Bradley, who the Raiders fired last year after making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So he's got that, plus Yannick Ngakwe and Rakyasin were the two that were traded. So You've got Yannick coming over here saying, you pay Chandler Jones how much? I'm going to get some sacks in this game against a bad offensive line. I, I think the players on the field could actually be fired up for him. They're no good on either side, but I think the players could be fired. Bunch of, <laughs> bunch of bad football teams playing bunch with some of Angry bad dudes, that's right. Uh, uh, a well, drunken all those, Sunday afternoon for me. All those awkward reunions, uh, something to look forward to. A lot more big games coming up this weekend in the NFL. We'll talk about all of them with Mina Kimes a little later in the show. You can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line you can call us or tweet us at sarah spain at jason fitz at spain and fitz on the dr pepper twitter line espn nation is presented by dr pepper it ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold dr pepper the one fans deserve coming up things are going to get ugly around here we are going to look back at our preseason picks as we hit the midway mark of the season Woof, i'm concerned nailed it you're listening to the spain and fitz podcast Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers were presented by Progressive Insurance. Anybody uh, out there that loves college basketball on ESPN right now, Michigan State taking on Gonzaga. Gonzaga number two in the country, games 24-23 right now. Sparty's up by one point. Most importantly, it's uh, an incredible looking game. It's the Veterans Service game uh, presented by the Armed Forces Classic. Uh, it looks amazing, and they've got camo unis going on. Like everything about it just feels good. Outdoor college basketball, I'm here for all of it. I'm here for that, Sarah. I don't know how I feel about what we're about to do, though, because it is time for us to uh, step into the confessional booth, as it were, and uh, take a look back at the beginning of the year because we started the season by making our NFL picks. And now, my friend, it is time to see Midway. How we feel oh, no. about it. Are you ready oh, for no. this? I'm ready, and I will tell you this. All, I knew we were going to do this all week, and I kept being tempted to go back and look, and I decided it would be funnier if I did not remember. So when you tell me what I picked, I will probably have revised it in my head to be more accurate than it actually was. Well, let's start with an easy one. The AFC okay. East. We agreed on the AFC East where we had the Bills in first. Feel good about that. Yep. The Dolphins in second. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. The, the, the Pats in third. Oh, no. And the Jets in last. Oh, no. Okay. Well, uh, Jets and Dolphins currently sitting uh, one loss behind the Bills. And uh, Patriots only a game back. So uh, that's not so bad. Yeah, we can, we can get our way back into this one. I don't feel terrible about the AFC East. The AFC North... We had a slight disagreement. We both took the, the Browns in last place. Then okay. we both took the Steelers in third place. It looks like that. And that's going to be all. Those are close, yeah. This is where it gets a little trickier, though. I took the Bengals in second, the Ravens in first, 
You took the Bengals in first, the Ravens in second. Mm, so okay. little flip-floppery there. So far, you're leading the way on that, but we're talking one-game difference here, and there's plenty of football left to play. So we did all right in that one. Yeah, uh, we uh, we were equally miserable in one oh, no. pick in the South, all right? In the oh, AFC no. South, we picked the Texans to finish last. Give us some sort of all a right, ding perfect. for that. Like, we got yeah, the Texans, yeah. right? Ring. All right, there we go. Uh, the Jags, second to last, feeling pretty okay. good about that. Uh-huh. I'll take a ding. I'll take a ding. There yep. we go. Uh, unfortunately, though, yeah, I'll take Phrasing? a ding. Um, it, well, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, though, uh, the we we both picked the Colts to win the division and the tight Titans oh, no. to finish second. So, oh no! Well, you know what? I also want to do is go back to our early season good take, hot take because I want to say after week one or two, we both buried the Titans, like buried. I did that. Yeah, I did the that. Titans Definitely after week two. Yeah, they lost exactly. So yeah. uh, this is less embarrassing than that. We still had them in second at the preseason. Yeah. Well, uh, no need to really talk about the West. I don't think. Oh, okay, by the fine. way, let us yeah. talk about the West just quickly. Do you remember in the off season, the absolute insanity about how many of those teams could potentially make the postseason and how it, the entire NFL was tilted to one spectacular, unbelievable division. Yeah, I, I believe well. that I, I I said several times I thought there was a chance for three playoff teams yeah. from that division. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so uh, look, right now, uh, we both took the Broncos to be in last place. Uh, okay. that, that, that hasn't necessarily happened, but the Broncos aren't great. You took Good. the Raiders right. to finish in third, so you know, yeah. there's still a chance there. I took the ch- Chiefs to finish Oh. Okay, so I went Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos. I could not have failed this assignment oh, no. more. Oh, no. You at least went Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Like yeah. I epically failed the division. Wow, I missed. I'm doing well. I did well there. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did very well there. Okay. So I, uh, yeah, I don't think we need to talk about it very much. Uh, I did have the AFC wild cards. I had the Bengals. That could still happen. I had the Chiefs, so I still had them as a playoff <laughs> team. Uh, what I was just, your third? The, the, the Raiders? Well, you know what? I had the Chargers, which is possible. The what? Ravens, which uh, is it's a good possible. choice right now. Uh, and you were so hyped on your Raiders that I put them in there. That is my fault. I, think I, I blame you. Them. I never that's, would have picked them if not for a, you. I was like, well, he knows his stuff. I mean, that's his team. Yeah, it's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio going back through all the reasons why we're terrible pickers uh, as we give you our preseason <laughs> predictions. Losers, in other words. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, just look at our list of ex-boyfriends and girlfriends. I think our yeah. terrible pickers are probably clear. That is fair, and this is my quick moment to remind everybody, if I could pick all these games right, I would own a small island and I would live on it and I would not work for anybody but myself. Uh, so I proved that in these picks. Let's move on to the NFC. We agreed on the NFC East where we both went in this order. Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, Giants. I mean, yeah. Eagles, Cowboys feels pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys, I mean, thank God we didn't make these picks one weekend because we also absolutely buried that team. I mean, <laughs> we we could probably go back and do good take, hot take on our own takes after week one and two. 100%. And out, yeah, yeah. That, that's going to happen. Uh, the NFC North, the division that you know and love so well, you took the Packers to be in first. And the Vikings second, right, right. Lions third, Bears. Right. I actually, oh, wow, I I may end up getting this one right. I went Vikings, Packers, Lions, Bears. Um, oh, uh, 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 
I think at least let's have some respect for the Bears being on the uptick. <laughs> the Lions fair. may have beaten the Packers, but uh, uh, there's not a lot to feel good about with that squad, and I think the Bears are going to show that this weekend. I don't know why we have to talk about the NFC South other than the <laughs> fact that it's a division in the NFL. Yeah. I, we don't know anything yet on this one, but we both went Bucks, Saints, Panthers, Falcons. So Falcons Ooh. look better than the Panthers. They that do. might have been a misstep. Although the but... Falcons just lost to the Panthers, a team yeah. that is actively trying to lose. I, you know, and I, I may or may not yesterday on air have tooted my own horn repeatedly yeah. about the fact that I was yeah. like, hold the horses on Marcus Mariota. And then he had one of the worst games I've ever seen him play as a professional. So, oh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. NFC West, we both, we have this one the same. We both went Rams, Niners, Cards, Seahawks. So, uh, still plenty of time. Seahawks better than we thought uh, they would be. Cards are worse than most people thought they would be. But we'll see how the Rams, Niners portion of it works out. I don't feel terrible about that. Yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of time for things to pan out there. Um, and for that uh, completely weird division um, to, to, to work out. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think the Rams are going to come back, though. I really don't. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I, I had the Cowboys, the Packers, oops, and the Niners as wild card teams. You had the Niners, the Saints, and the Vikings. Oh, so, the Saints. Why did I believe in the Saints? Uh, why did Oof. I believe in the Packers? Uh I don't know. I had the Packers in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, you did. It, you had the Rams. I know. Not I, much we, better, uh, Brendo. Yeah, I, I mean, this is. I, they I don't have, feel good. Listen, about this they have the same number of wins as the Packers, At, which is alarming, right? Like we're right. sitting here talking about why we should. Like we are not. This show is not. There are a bunch of idiots sitting there talking about benching Aaron Rodgers. That thing just chaps my hide. Nobody's sitting there saying, well, you might as well put Aaron Donald in the bubble wrap for the rest of the year because everything's lost. I don't know why I became super country with that. But uh -huh. just, yeah, all right. Uh, that's, that's all right. Tune into a football doubleheader Sunday. Chiefs host the Jags, followed by the Cards at the Rams. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. Overall, I think we did pretty well. I, I, I mean, considering what I thought it could be, I think we did pretty well, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be a whole lot worse, and there's plenty of times for things to shake out more in the direction that we anticipated, although I do not think Bill's Packers is going to happen. Yeah, I don't either. We'll have plenty of <laughs> NFL expertise coming up throughout the show, but coming up, it looks like history could be made in college football this weekend. I'm going to tell you how TCU could become the answer to a trivia question. We'll do it next. Ooh, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, hanging out with you also on the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain Whoa. and Fitz on his. Oh, I was just what? singing that. I know that they're, they're look. Did they do that on purpose. That was quick. Yeah, yeah, they're attentive. Wow. Right there. Like uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Sarah is also a world class quality whistler. I <laughs> look. I, I can't whistle at all. No surprise. One of the many uh, normal life skills that I awkwardly missed out on in life. But Sarah, monstrously good whistler. So this is a common song for her to just I have whistle like three that are always in my head, and I don't even notice I'm doing it. It's the A Team theme song. It's mm -hmm. Rich Curl and it's Kung Fu Fighting. There's no <laughs> rhyme or reason. I will just randomly be sitting there like. <laughs> look at look, Like a little anyway. birdie with the perfect vibrato. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll bring in some college football expertise. Bill Connolly. Bill, uh, can you whistle? And if so, what's the go-to? Well, I mean, I, I like to think I'm pretty diverse with it. Um, maybe not it mastering any one song, but I can get by on it. 
on okay. a decent number, I would say. Can't whistle. I can't whistle. Like a keys to whistle out, not in. Favorite, I think. Yeah. Just go along with the guitars. That's that's always kind of fun. I think. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> all right, we'll ask you an actual college football question now at this point. Uh, as it, our, our producer, Chris, explained to us, TCU at this point, seven and a half point underdog against Texas. But the trivia note is going back to 78. There's been no instances of a top five team being more than a six and a half point mm. underdog against a team outside of the top 10. That's a long way of saying, what is it that Vegas loves about Texas that the committee doesn't? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, computer ratings are the same way. Uh, my FP Plus ratings, FPI, they all love Texas. Not not quite that much. Um, I have TCU covering at least, but it is kind of the ultimate in in sample sizes and, and why you lose games. Nobody's going to punish Texas for having lost by one to Alabama, even though Alabama has lost a couple now, I guess. Uh, Texas Tech needed six fourth down conversions to beat them. Like play for play, Texas was you know going to win that game more often than not. And then Oklahoma State was the top 15 that they barely lost to on the road. So I think basically what we're seeing is they're saying, yeah, okay, well, they're, they're, they've lost three games, but those are pretty understandable, weird situations. Um, and down for down, they've been really good. Now, they don't win close games. <laughs> and yeah. this was four and eight, right? Something like that? Right. They're four and eight under Steve Sarkeesian in one score games. Two of them, they've won this year, but one of them was against Adrian Martinez. Poor Adrian Martinez, Nebraska's quarterback last year, now at Kansas State. <laughs> and Iowa State's equally bad as them in close games, and they won that one too. So it, it is kind of weird. You figure the closer it is, the better TCU fares. But t- Texas is a good team at least. Uh, before we move on quick, I want to ask you, because that's what I've heard sort of everyone say, oh, this this feels like weird to be a top-four team who's a dog. Uh, but they also always say, well, Texas is a good team. So what does Texas actually do in this game that results in that upset of TCU, or I guess not upset as Vegas calls it? Right. <laughs> right. If they, they win as a favorite against a much better. Yeah. No, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So number one is they, they run the ball really, really well. Um, they move the ball efficiently run and pass. That was kind of Quinn Ewers got off script against Oklahoma state a little bit, but he's been very effective otherwise. So they're good there. They're better than TCU in terms of run defense for sure. Uh, that is going to they, they can probably make TCU a little more one dimensional. Now, that one dimension for TCU is really good. They throw a lot of deep balls and, and have a lot of explosive plays in the passing game. But they like balance. They like running the ball a lot, too. And Texas might, you know, prevent them from doing that. So that's probably the ground game probably favors Texas. It's just the pass rush isn't very good. Their secondary is pretty passive because of it. And TCU can break just about any secondary in the country. So that's going to be kind of the balance there. Air favors TCU, ground favors Texas. All right, Bill. So last weekend, as I've said several times, we went into the weekend with six teams that have 40 to 1 odds or better to win the national championship. Three of them lost in one weekend. <laughs> is that just a wild weekend or is that a, what so, some of what you expect to see over the course of the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, it feels like things are pretty orderly now, which, you know, always makes me uneasy to say because that's when things really get crazy again. But (laughs) we do figure, you know, Georgia's biggest tests are behind them. Uh, Ohio State's biggest tests until Michigan – well, both Ohio State and Michigan, their biggest tests until they play each other are behind them. So it does feel like they're not in the clear necessarily, but, you know, mostly in the clear at least. Uh, So that's – you you figure that's probably two pretty likely playoff teams in that out of those three. But we can still see a lot of weirdness here. TCU obviously uh, has a role to play in that. 
Uh, the pack, the entire Pac-12 has roles to play, and lots of one-loss teams there. Uh, they're going to beat up each other over the next couple weeks, and, and maybe one of them ends up with a pretty good resume. There's still some twists and turns, but you do, we do figure Georgia and the Ohio State-Michigan winner are probably making it at this point. It's Spain and Fitz here. Spain, Jason Fitz on a Friday <clears throat> talking to Bill Connolly. You can follow him at ESPN underscore Bill C. We were going to talk, take people behind the curtain on Around the Horn today about most likely upset. It was maybe that TCU Texas. It was maybe LSU Arkansas. And by the end, we were like, uh, nobody really wants to buy any of these losses. So is there an <laughs> upset that you see this weekend with one of the better teams in, in college football? I do think it's – I'm not – oh, man, I don't want to say I'm buying LSU-Arkansas, but I at least understand why that line's pretty close. It's like it's been around LSU minus three, which if you watched their two games last week, LSU beating Bama and Arkansas losing to Liberty, that doesn't make a lot mm-hmm. of sense. Um, but overall, it, that it would feel very college football, right, for, for that to happen and then Arkansas just turns around and, and pulls a big upset and ruins LSU's plans. Uh, and, and we're basically that upset away from the SEC West getting super weird. Like, you know, LSU could clinch it if they win an Alabama win. If, if LSU loses and, and, and Ole Miss beats Alabama, suddenly Ole Miss is the front runner. There's a lot of weirdness that can happen, but you do have to buy the thought of Arkansas beating LSU. And it is hard when our eyeballs saw what they saw last week. <laughs> so stick with Ole Miss for a second because, you know, the concept is always Lane Kiffin is this great – passing coach but this is a run first football team that's absolutely destroying people offensively what is Lane Kiffin going to be able to scheme up that will help Ole Miss beat Alabama yeah I'm very curious just about that that straightforward part of it like they run the ball really well and Alabama has not really stopped the run as well as we're used to seeing Alabama stop the run so if they're able to it's really kind of all or nothing with Ole Miss if they're able to run for five yards, get up to the line of scrimmage, run for six yards, and really start to wear you down with those quick plays, everything kind of plays out really nicely for the Rebels because they can pass a little bit. Obviously, they're running more this year than normal, but the whole thing works. If any part of it works, the whole thing works. And it all kind of ran aground against LSU, and the defense has been fading a little bit. They really needed the bye week that they got last week, and I'm curious exactly how much that helped them moving forward. So it really does come down to that run, especially early on. We'll be able to tell if they're getting any sort of push at the line of scrimmage. If they are, it really could be an interesting game. Bill, I was listening to the uh, College Game Day podcast this week, and they were talking about how, you know, this potential Final Four, if it were to stay like this, which it won't for sure, uh, would, (laughs) would prove that you don't need expansion to get some new faces in there. I mean, that's true, but I still think that there's an opportunity going forward if they do get to 12 to have some really exciting games at campuses that are going to completely change the way that football program and that fan base acts after that. I mean, I don't think that I don't think that even if we get these new teams this year, that that's any argument against the really real benefits of expansion going forward. Do you agree? (laughs) Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, when when they first announced that they were looking into 12 teams last year, I kind of simulated out, okay, let's go back to 2014, see how many teams would have made the playoff over that period of time. And it was something, it was like mid-30s. Like over a quarter of FBS would have made the playoff at least once in eight years. And that's just, and it's different. I know college football, we treat it differently than any other sport or any other level of football. Uh, but it, it, it would be, to me, it's a really cool thing. And the other cool thing about the, the idea of an expansion here is 
you know, like you, you play things out the way, you know, the way things might shake up if we had a 12 teamer this year, you'd have matchups, maybe like Ole Miss at Michigan, which has never happened before. has never had a reason mm. to happen before. You just have really neat games between yeah. teams that don't play each other very much. And it, that just sounds really cool to me. Real quick before we let you go, Bill, what's your top four? Um, honestly, I, I'm not used to saying this, but at the moment, I think I agree with the committee. Um, Georgia's obviously number one, and however you want Ohio State and Michigan 2-3 is fine, and I, I like TCU 4 right now. So I, I'm not used to agreeing, but I'm agreeing with them. Well, as always, we love having you on, man. I appreciate your insight. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. Great stuff from Bill Connolly. Don't forget, tune in for a college football doubleheader tomorrow. Ole Miss hosts Bama, followed by TCU at Texas Presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. All right, we got so much to get into. We'll do it the way only this show can. It's time for some Friday Quickies next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Quickies. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on a Friday. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius Channel 80. And your smart speaker. You can always hit us up. On the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. As we mentioned, this is a packed show. We still got Mina Kimes coming on to talk NFL. Jeremy Schapp going to break down a very fraught World Cup that's starting next week. And we got to do our pick em picks for the NFL weekend. But there's so much to get to before then. And when we run out of time with lots to get to, here's how we do it. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. Let's start in baseball because usually uh, when a team has a tough season, they get rid of some of the architects behind their roster. Uh, Usually do not part ways with their GM after a championship win, but that's just what the Astros are doing. Jim Crane didn't click, we should say, with Astros GM James Click. And so Click turned down a one-year offer is what the headline says. But those in the know would argue that Crane did not give Click an offer and gave him, in fact, a an offer he could refuse, as they say, fits. And in most cases, I would really argue that this is a terrible move. But I hate to say it. Crane has proved over the course of the last few years, I think they've been in four of the last six World Series, one, two, with two different GMs, that it's it's not necessarily um, it's not necessarily the GM that's the secret it might be Crane himself and if he didn't get along with him I guess the faith has to go that he'll find the next guy I I think you make a really strong point about what benefit of the doubt means for different organizations and not just from appearing in and winning World Series but the benefit of the doubt that comes from doing it the way they've done it so uh, I uh, totally 100% the proof of concept is there for them they they understand what they value and what they don't value and so click now gets the opportunity to go somewhere else and uh, it should be noted Exactly. Like, it's not like he's not going to have the opportunity to work somewhere else for a yeah. substantial amount of money. So I'm not saying it's a good here. move. I'm no, just saying no. in this case, it's not as cut and dried as normal team that I would heavily criticize for making this right. move. It's All a right, curious move for anybody else. Yeah, yes, go for sure. Quickies. Uh, U.S. Women's National Team take the L to Germany yesterday. I'm going to be at the game on Sunday in New York as they face Ooh. Germany yet again in a friendly. But that is their third loss. They have not lost three in a row. In 29 years, there is a panic button being hit, and in a lot of ways, I agree with it. 
There is uh, just however many, six or seven months before the World Cup next year for them. And the world is caught up, Fitz. This team has inspired other countries to invest in their women's soccer, and it's it's showing. You've got a ton of young players who are not yet gelling and finding a chemistry with the few veterans who have a ton of in- international experience that are on the roster. And I, I, I will openly criticize a lot of the strategic decision-making of Vladko and also his unwillingness to be critical in post-game. I think at this point, he's got to stop with the will-be-fine and he's got to start holding players more accountable, especially young players that need to know that you don't get to just walk on the field and win because you're the USA in women's soccer anymore. I think we see this across so many different sports where you've had eras of dominance and then all of a sudden there's a little crack in the armor. So what happens next? And, you know, we take for granted the ability of U.S. women's national team to be able to just turn around and reload whenever they want, however they want, and be the best. When that doesn't happen, you really got to look like every, whether it's one and done's in college basketball, whether it's Alabama right now in college football, whether mm-hmm. it's the Patriots. The dream what they're team with, back in the right, day. Right, 100%. Like, as the rest of the world starts to catch up, they're working their tails off to be the top. Then you're going to have to look in the mirror and make sure that you're doing everything you can to do the same. Yeah, and I think there's some interesting conversations, and I'm not judging any of the young, excellent players, but interesting conversations about the strategy that might be different for this generation versus the 99ers or the Abby Wambach-led teams. And how do you get them on board with the kind of criticism and and constructive building that has worked in generations past. Um, I don't envy the folks having to figure that out with uh, people all the way up to nearly 40 years old and then, you know, 20. Yeah, uh, and culture, fa- like culture comes so much from leadership that has been yeah. there before on e- in every sport, on every team. You make a great point about the youth of so many. I wonder how loud the voices can be in the experienced players in that locker room yeah. to it's get everybody with to buy with it. with a roster that's bigger like that for sure. Yeah. Uh, Spain and Fitz, we're doing quickies. Next story. Quickies. Uh, some deja vu for the Mets. Uh, we like to celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day, and we like to celebrate his contract lasting what feels like in perpetuity. But uh, there's a new one that we can celebrate till 2042. The Mets deal with Edwin Diaz, giving us deja vu, 102 million, five years, with 26.5 million in deferred payments that won't completely be received until 2042. So uh, there's a couple options in there that could change uh, the overall worth of the deal and and other things. But I just love the idea of us getting an Edwin Diaz day like Bobby Bonilla day. I I loved it until I sat down and did the math and realized how old I would be on the last Edwin (laughs) Diaz day. And the fact that I'll still be yelling at somebody, this is the last. Yeah, I'm going to see I've treated my body. That's right. hope, yeah. (laughs) Next story. Staggeringly old. Quickies. Uh, WNBA draft lottery was tonight. It was happening sort of right as this show was getting underway. Indiana Fever won the lottery for the first time. Lynx number two, Dreamer third. Mystics get the fourth pick. Fitz, the Indiana Fever better figure out how to make a change of a lifetime kind of pick because this franchise has been struggling ever since Tamika Catching stopped being a player and got into the front office and they kept changing at, at, at GM, at coach. They just haven't found a system, but... A lot of hope that Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina, who's the presumptive number one overall pick, could change that franchise. Yeah, six consecutive lottery appearances. 
is just a nightmare scenario. And to go 45 and 147 during that time, last mm. place three times. Like when you start to actually look at the numbers and you think about the ability in the WNBA with as much talent as there is around the league, yeah. you've got to be consistently getting it wrong for this to happen. Uh, absolutely. They, they've got to hit a home run here. By the way, shout out to our own Carolyn Peck, ESPN basketball analyst, who is named a finalist for the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame class of 2023 live during the draft lottery announcement. And they surprised her with flowers and let her know uh, during the live broadcast. It was pretty special. That's Very amazing. cool. All right, next story. Quickies. Okay. We've all, those of us on social media, been uh, riding the wave of the Elon Musk takeover and the changes to the platform. And we've had some fun with a couple things. Uh, uh, others, not so much as uh, some of the fake accounts have actually cost massive stock dives. Eli Lilly, a massive casualty of the Twitter verification mess as their stock, along with other insulin providers, went way down as a result of a fake account announcing free insulin. So this is having major real-world effects as we're watching it. In the sports world, it happened with former ESPNer Ariel Helwani. An impersonator announced a fake fight with Conor McGregor headlining UFC 290 against former lightweight champion Charles Dubronx Olvera. And it announced that there would be a fight in Vegas and this is happening. And it tricked the real life Olvera to chime in and say, all right, I'm in. Oh, my God. On a fight that he wasn't a part of, but that he, according to the tweet, had already agreed to. And then, of course, it's reported as fake and a whole bunch of folks are misled. I mean, we've talked about this behind the scenes here at ESPN a lot, Fitz, because we got a double, triple check sources. Think about on uh, trade deadline days. Think about during any breaking news that you might see from a Woj or a Schefter. Like, you're, you're going to have to really double, triple check now. Yeah, there were a bunch of us tweeting about falling for fake, uh, fake Woj uh, tweets yesterday. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is just where everybody has to slow down. But even in that, like, I find myself as somebody that loves being on Twitter, sitting there constantly triple, quadruple checking standard looking accounts because I'm like, am I getting duped here? So it, it's definitely more difficult for sure. And the thought of somebody agreeing to a fight, just putting that yeah. into the, the world from that is, is wild to me. Yeah, I and I mean, it's only eight bucks. I mean, that's the other thing. The fact that stock prices dived for the cost of eight dollars to some person who felt like causing a ruckus and making people question, why is insulin something that we pay for a life saving medicine that the inventor intended for free? Uh, it's going to keep happening, folks. So keep your head on a swivel. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on a Friday on ESPN Radio. Coming up, week 10 in the NFL is nearly here. We started out the show talking about some awkward reunions. We've also got some potential standings changing matchups on the schedule. We're going to have one of our favorite folks on to break it all down next. Coming up on Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80.